Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I'm your host, Nathan Mulepolder, here with Xavier. Bruh, it is really hot. And Taylor. Like, hella hot. <laughs> Y'all don't understand. Alright, wait, wait, wait. Y'all, before we get into this intro, you do not understand how hot it is right now. Alright, it's it might not be as hot as, like, Florida is right now. With like all Florida the hum- ain't hot. They doing pretty bad. Oh, oh, my yeah, bad. Like all the, oh, but like all the humidity. But it is like really hot. <laughs> Pray for us. That, was, that right there, that really is when someone's veering off the road <laughs> from the peak. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about the stage three week of the Overwatch League. Even though we're literally dehydrated from sweating just talking this much. I'm so, listening. Um, we are those men down under. <laughs> Roll intro. Okay, let's get right into it before I drown in my own body liquids. So, first up, last week's games, couple of couple of games. So first off, we had Paris Eternal beating the Defiant 3-1. Oh man, Paris had like one of the weirdest weeks because they won. Yeah, they won. They beat they beat Toronto and they beat Boston. Three to one. And it was Both like games convincingly too. So yeah. they won really convincingly against those two teams. And I mean, I feel like we have trashed soon a lot on this show, and I feel like we're kind of vindicated because suddenly they bench soon and they start winning and they look like a competent team. And suddenly it's like, ah, oh, European goats. That's a thing. And it's like, yeah, because you have a competent Zarya playing now, and you don't have Zoon throwing his grabs around like it's nothing. Yeah, no, they looked really strong. It was like, as we've said, we've called out soon multiple times about how his grabs just weren't working. But now with this new setup, like this new starting lineup of... Nico, Danier, Finnessy, Ben Best, Cruz, and Gray. You are <laughs> the most unconfident person when you read people's names. It's the I'm... heat stroke. It's the heat stroke. <laughs> it's the heat. I was... Uh. This was a really solid, like, starting lineup. If it wasn't, If it wasn't for the fact that they were so determined that soon was who they needed as kind of their shot caller esque tank. Without him there, it just shows that he's kind of just not good enough for this team. Yeah, he's not good enough right now in goats. He's just not a good Zarya. You just you don't want him playing Zarya, and all right, that's fine. Like you have him for other times or when the meta shifts, but at this point, it's just not his time. What really makes me question is I wonder if they're for real in the sense of. They beat Toronto, and they, and beat, they Boston. beat Boston. Yeah, but Toronto is just this enigmatic figure that lies betwixt the realms of good and bad, and Boston is just kind of bad. You know, like Boston, they just had a terrible week this time. So I wonder if it's like Paris is actually for real, or if this is kind of the thing where you know last stage Paris started off looking like wow, look at Paris, and then the later they get, they into... just ended up being bad again you know yeah the later they get into they're against bigger teams more like i want to see how they perform against like even a dragons Mm -hmm. so like a dragons a dallas those mid-tier teams yeah like even a charge would would be kind of prove something i never thought we'd see the day when we'd call shanghai (laughs) dragons a mid-tier team (laughs) that's beautiful it's beautiful yeah like i want to see how they perform against the dragons or you know just one of these mid-tier teams because i I don't, I don't know if Boston and Toronto, while they were impressive performances, I don't know if in the totality of, like, existence, I don't know if they're, like, good wins. Yeah. And so I, I really question that. And then we had the Atlanta Reign, who lost the Shock and the Titans, but they took two maps against the Shock and one against the Titans. 
That's impressive. Jesus Christ, what a what a week. Yeah, <laughs> no. I feel like we talked about Dallas leading up to the homestand, how we were hoping that we'd see them get really <laughs> get really good. And this shows because Atlanta does have their homestand this this time and they're putting out how they're going to have signings at these events and they've listed who's going to be signing from what teams, who's going to be like out and about during that time. I feel like Atlanta's actually taking the time to be like, hey, we want to make sure that when we go home, the people that we've competed against at the beginning of the stage, which are some of the top top teams, t- that they were like, hey, look, we, we have this shit, like, we're getting this shit together. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, Atlanta looked really nice against the Shock, but part of me definitely believes that it was the Shock just being kind of rusty. And looking bad, because Moth had probably his worst game of the season. Rascal didn't have necessarily good games. Mm Sinatra Super... None of them had good games. So I think it's just one of those right day, right time deals. And Atlanta was able to kind of surprise them. But then, you know, they played against the Titans and took a map. Yeah. And they didn't get completely steamrolled. So clearly there's something there. But they're not good enough to really maintain a consistent high-level skill. Because you look at... Baby Bay, he's good in certain circumstances, yeah. but he's very inconsistent. Some of his grabs are terrible. Same with Dogman. Dogman sometimes looks like he's a top support player in the league, and then other times he looks like he doesn't even deserve a roster spot. Yeah. He's very inconsistent. They're just such a very inconsistent team and very volatile. I do have yep. to also point out that before this, like the last weekend, the entirety of the team of Shock, including like coaches, were up doing a meet and greet in San Francisco. So they were doing a lot of, like, you know, personal appearances as a whole team in places up and down, like, California. So it might have also just been, hey, we've been doing all these promotional things, all these meeting fans, and that might have caused some, like, lack of practice leading up to these matches. Yeah, I think it was just the right place, right time for the shock match. And then with the Titans match, it's just Atlanta. Atlanta's going to push you, you know. But Atlanta's not going to push you hard enough to win, win. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not gonna win and then like we talked about vancouver did beat them but atlanta took a map and then vancouver also beat the gladiators with a similar kind of map circumstance there gladiators took a map yo yeah so i watched this game uh got off work and i was like oh i wonder how this game went it's 3-1 right i expected something a little bit closer but it was one of those circumstances where the gladiators looked real cool to start off with I was like, all right, wow, the Gladiators are, like, actually looking like, you know, the top team that they are statistically. And then Watchpoint Gibraltar happened. And Watchpoint Gibraltar, it wasn't... All right, so Watchpoint Gibraltar wasn't the level of some of the, like, shock dominations on Watchpoint Gibraltar, where it just, like, it was just disgusting spawn camping the entire time. But that's not how Vancouver plays, so I wouldn't expect that. But if you watch the Gladiators on Watchpoint Gibraltar... It's like they just got steamrolled, and it was one of the biggest steamrolls I've ever seen. And it really raises the question, you know, th- this will lead into any discussions we have with the Gladiators. This really plays into question whether or not the Gladiators are a true contender, mm-hmm. or if they're just better than the majority of the league. If but I they're were... not better than the top three teams. Yeah, I'm going to say that with the standings, it... Is Vancouver Shock and NYXL are all very skilled together. NYXL does give up really stupid loses and like losses, but I feel like that everybody has Gladiators up on this high pedestal, 
but they're only like one notch around above these mid-tier teams. But there's so much more of a notch above the mid-tier teams than like all of the mid-tier teams. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, yes. They're they're a A minus team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, they're A minus. But I, would... I all I want to see them do is convincingly defeat the Shock, yeah, the New York Excelsior in a me- you know, meaningful game, or the Titans. I, I just want to see that because until you do that. I'm gonna look at you as yeah, you're 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 better than your Dallas's or your Sparks or your whatever dragons. else. But you're not you're not A tier. You're not A plus tier. You're A minus. Speaking of shock, again they they lost one map to Toronto, but they did defeat them in the end. Um, you know, it's is, the shock. Is it the downfall of the shock? Are they slowly crumbling? Nah, they're they're fine. Does I, Vancouver take this this stage? Nah, it's the shocker. I just think it's... Nothing has changed with the Shocker. I feel like this time they've set so many records during the last stage that they're just going to be like, anybody can try and beat these? Like, try and do it. So even if they give up, you know, some maps, it does matter in the end. But I feel like at this point, Shock is just like, hey, we did what we had to do this first weekend. Let's just have a, like, not as part of a push but but i do i do have a uh, we can save it till later but i do have a uh, hot take opinion uh when it pertains to these upper echelon teams mm-hmm. uh but we'll get to it when we talk about that team yep so nyxl you know another one of those top tier teams we were talking about they beat houston they went uh three and two against them i feel like that's interesting do, you, do we think houston might be you know pulling it back together finally you know with houston i don't necessarily believe it's houston pulling it back together I think it's New York experimenting with lineups. Because yeah. Houston caught New York Excelsior kind of trying different things with their roster construction. They started Savior B, who disappeared for a long time. Once Goats became a thing, he just disappeared. Yeah. And so they... Reminds me of someone I know. Flutter, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> he, he, showed up, he showed up just for a second for on, a on the B minute. team. But yeah, so they started Savior B, and he looked pretty bad. Like, the whole team didn't look great against the outlaws but i think that wasn't the outlaws being this crazy good team this was new york excelsior trying out sabiel being the lineup as sombra and trying these different comps and just kind of being like all right this isn't working out great but then if you look at their performances if you look at their next performance where they defeated london for oh yeah sabiel looked leagues better so this this tells me that Houston was more of like a test game. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, let's try let's try the Sabiel B thing out. Work on all these kinks. And then once they played against London, that was them having Sabiel B fully integrated into the lineup. He had he had a couple days of coaching behind him, and they were able to show up all these mistakes that they were making against Houston and able to just roll over London. I feel like uh, NYXL is very similar to um, when we talked about Boston before, where it's like, they take the time in between the halftime to be like, hey, this is what you need to fix. This is where your mistakes are. I feel like NYXL showing that if, in fact, Houston was that test run, which it does appear to be, it shows that they have that really strong coaching behind them and that they still believe in these people who were sitting on the bench, even though, you know, they haven't played for the first two sta- like first two stages at all. So I feel like NYXL really came out and they showed why them as a team in general, coaching and everything, is why they're such a top echelon of a team. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's, okay. Yeah, I, was, <clears throat> I, I agree. I was going to say, 
we were talking about the Gladiators for a second, but let's talk about them a little more. They 4-0 Dallas, and then they dropped a map to Vancouver, which, I mean... You, you know, yeah. the Vancouver thing was bad. But with Dallas, I kind of want to pivot this to a conversation about Dallas, because I feel like London is the least interesting part of this equation. But with Dallas, they're in this weird spot where they haven't ever beaten a serious team. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just they haven't done it. They run into the Gladiators, who struggle against these A-plus teams, and they get 4-0'd. And Dallas has been 4-0'd by Seoul, mm-hmm. Vancouver, Shock, all these top teams. And it's just like, alright, Dallas pretends they want to be an A-tier team, but if you look at their performances, they're just not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a distinct gap between the Gladiators and other teams, and there's a distinct gap between the A-plus teams, and the Gladiators. And so it's like, I don't know what Dallas can do to get above that hump. Yep. Because that performance against the Gladiators is kind of pitiful. Dallas is one of those teams where it's like, I just think they do better if they're on their own home home turf. Because they looked so great when they were in their homestand. And they looked like an actual, like, good team. And that might also be because of how the homestands have been set up, where it's more localized teams and that kind of area and i wonder if that helped because those are all kind of in dallas's range of like i can beat them there wasn't a big like big monster like in front of them that they had to try and like really fight for but Mm -hmm. every time they fight against any of these like a plus and the a minus team they get forward for sure it's like what i don't know what dallas is gonna do okay so we were talking about the gladiators let's talk about the valiant for a second they lost to shanghai but that's not that big of a deal anymore I mean, especially for the Valiant, they're, you know, one of the lower teams on the totem pole. But they did 4-0 Chengdu. Yeah. Okay, so I have I have a I have an a I have an opinion on this. And if if you don't mind, Mr. Host, I would like to just also talk about Chengdu because that's next on the list. Right, I literally yeah. just did that with Dallas. I, I, yes. I, I know, but I'm just saying I do want to talk about so Valiant is below the Shanghai level. They're not they're obviously not going to win anymore against them. Last year was like the last time they're ever going to defeat Shanghai in that manner because Shanghai has stepped up coaching, they've stepped up team composition, they stepped up communication in within the team. So we just it was going to happen. But Chengdu, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing ever. They get defeated 4-0 by a team that was on a like seven game losing streak. And then, you they know... They also got... Beaten by the charge. The charge, yeah. The yeah. Charge. They also lost against the charge. And it's just... I don't understand where they're going. I heard... I saw that they got someone signed. Their main tank finally is... A, their actual main tank is finally able to come into to play. So that means there shouldn't be any more hamster ball. And they should start looking like a team that actually communicates and doesn't just be like, Aming, do your thing. But they don't look like that ever. They're just a bad team. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're just a, I'm telling you, they, they, they're volatile. They pub stomp crappy teams, and then when they play anyone wildly competent, they get destroyed. And with the Valiant, I think they're a competent team now. Fact Fiction looked incredible coming in yes. for, for Fate. He looked... He, he was an incredible revelation. And like having that strong maintained presence allowed the rest of their roster, which is very talented yes to come in and perform so that loss is one of those things where it's like you know what i think the valiant are on the come up Mm -hmm. and if you know they play 
a team like Shanghai again, I could see them easily winning that game if they did a rematch. And then losing to the Charge, it was one of those deals where, you know, losing to the Charge is bad because the Charge are kind of bad, but it's the way they lost to the Charge, which is extra depressing because they just look confused a lot of the time. You know, a, a lot of Chengdu's EMPs they just do a felt lot like, of... why would you, you know, there are a lot of EMPs where it's like, why would you do that in this situation? Or you would see a Mang, or you'd see a Mang just like dive in somewhere, and it's like your team's not there to support you. And there's just a lot. There seems to be either a lot of mis, like miscommunication, or simply just bad strategy in play. Yeah. Like, but they're they're simply just not a good team at this point. They do a lot of just trickling. Like mm -hmm. they'll have the EMP go off. They would be at like a three-two disadvantage, yeah. and then an EMP would come out. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly you lose the fight, and it's like, mm -hmm. all right, well, you've wasted that EMP. That happened multiple times with, with the Hunters. Mm -hmm. Just wasting an EMP, or wasting wasting a sound barrier, or wasting a shatter. There's just mm -hmm. a lot of wasted ults, and in GOATS, ult economy is, is what wins you something. And, and Chengdu simply just uses their ults. And speaking about Guangzhou, you know, they did beat Chengdu, as we just said. But also, they lost to Seoul. They got 4 by Seoul, but I think that's fair. It's an expected um, loss. That's something I did expect, yeah. This is gonna happen, you Yeah, know? no, because, you know, Seoul isn't a bad team. They're they're a competent team, like we were saying. Chengdu and I think Guangzhou is the same thing. Curbstomp anything that's just, like, a low-quality team. But as soon as they come up against competent teams, they they crumble. And Guangzhou, it wasn't like a... In my opinion, you know, the Seoul 4 wasn't one of those 4 where you look at it and it's like... It's kind of depressing. Mm -hmm. It was a four where I was like, all right, like you guys were kind of in there at spots, but you just couldn't close out these close moments. Yeah, I feel but they like... were, they were in the game, you know. No, I feel like the four zero from Seoul is at least you saw Guangzhou trying. It's not like when you watch a Vancouver four zero on Boston or something where it's just like that first map you blink and you missed it. The second map you you walked away to make yourself some mac and cheese and you come back and it's over. Like it's just. It was just like, oh, you can see that Charge is actually trying to, like, fight back against Soul, but Soul is just using their ults, using their, like, communication better. And then the Boston Uprising, they had they had it rough. Roughly. They got 4-0'd by London, and then they got 3-1'd by Paris. Boston's just bad. Boston's just bad. There's, Boston has been going downhill ever since Spark beat them last stage. There's only so much fusions can do. Yeah. yeah, Fusions and Blase, they're the only two dudes where I look at their team and I'm like, you guys are badass. The rest of the team is just, sometimes, it, you know, sometimes Color Hex will have a moment, but on a whole, it's just like Fusions, Blase, and then the other dudes. And there's really only so much two players can do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's going on with Boston, you know, they have really good coaching, they have really good infrastructure. I wonder if it's just, like, a weird slump they're going into. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been figured out on a strategic level. Maybe they need to switch something up. But right now, Boston is looking like one of those teams where they're threatening going seven straight losses. In a yeah. they, they look like they might be the next team to do something like that. On the other hand, Seoul 4-0'd both of its opponents, which, when you look at it, they 4-0'd Florida, which isn't much. But they also 4-0'd Guangzhou, which I don't think is a bad team necessarily. So I think that does look good for them. I'm glad. I do want to see them perform well. I think Seoul has been giving like a bad rap since middle of last year, where they started going downhill when they came in as such a popular team. 
and they're still a pretty popular team because they are, you know, Seoul and they're like the Korean team that's not just an American team full of Koreans. I feel like they're finally moving through what problems they had and they're finally working because they're eight, they're like A team, which is the team they're putting out, and their B team, which contains the infamous missing Fleta. Yeah, to be fair, they whipped out their B team and totally disrespected Florida and still 4-0'd them, <coughs> which is why she should have Fleta starting. Yeah, you can... Di- Florida just, like, stay getting disrespected, honestly. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're in that, like, we can disrespect them range. But here's my hot take. Here's the, here's the take. I think Seoul will be a playoff team. And I... No, and here's what I mean. I don't mean, like... Oh, they'll, you know, make it in the playoffs and do like a and do a Dallas and lose. I don't mean that. I mean they're going to be a playoff team and be one game away from the grand finals. Okay. Okay. And possibly make the grand finals. Okay. So like overall not the, just like stage I, playoffs. You mean playoff playoffs. No no stage playoffs. Okay. Let, I let, was let's, like let's calm down for a second. I was like, whoa, no. whoa, whoa. <laughs> they're making stage playoffs and I think that they're in serious contention of upsetting the Titans are the shock. This I will, believe so. I, I would this agree. will all come down to next week when they play the shock. Yep. Because that's really the one game that I can see them not winning. Mm-hmm. But if they do somehow beat the shock, I think this is soul stage. Because they play Paris and they play Hongjo. Those are their two like actual games against actual people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think they stomp Paris. It's it's in the last week. And we all know how Paris does towards the end of stages. And I think they beat the Spark. I think in this rematch, they beat the Spark. Well, I definitely, I have to agree because Seoul has that tendency where if they have a grudge, they will figure out everything that they did wrong in that first meetup to come back and completely destroy every, like tear apart your entire strategy and win. So I can see that because that's what they did with NYXL during the stage one playoffs. And Ruche Hong Sexy is going to completely put the team on his back. I'm I'm calling this right now. He's going when we look when we do our like end of stage awards, mm-hmm. we're going to be saying Ryuji Hong is the MVP of stage 3. Like just straight up, he's going to be the MVP of stage 3. If you looked at his performances this week, if you look at the kill feed, if you just sit there and watch the kill feed only, Jay Hong is involved in everything. His his anti-nades are part of why they just straight up steamroll fights. Jay Hong, you know, Jay Hong gets a lot of like he has a big reputation, but sometimes Jay Hong is very quiet and he's and he's just super clean. But, you know, compared to guys like Jonak or Sinatra or Carpe or Prophet who get like all these huge accolades, Jay Hong is that dude that's like, yeah, he's he's just always good. Yeah. But I think Jay Hong is going to be a star this stage and he'll be the MVP easily. I think part of the uh, reason Jay Hong is so forgotten about in a way is because he plays the heroes that are like so known for not doing anything. He's like, just been around forever. Like Zenyatta and Anna, you don't really see a bunch of crazy stuff happening with other teams' Zenyattas unless it's Shock or even Vancouver. Like, you don't see a lot of, like, um, Zenyatta names pop up. But when you Jaehong gets to play Anna, which is the person that we all, like, fell in love with him for playing during the first over. I completely disagree. What? Because <laughs> No, no, I completely disagree. Because if you look at the Zenyattas in the league, I think Zenyatta is in a point where everyone understands what a good Zenyatta is. So, a good Zenyatta. Everyone, they're, they're star no, players they're, now. They're, yes. What a good Zenyatta is, is a good support. And if you want to support us... 
you can support our sponsors who are keeping us full of electrolytes so that we don't pass out on stream. Go to that sponsor. Do you like electrolytes? Do you like staying hydrated while in a hospital? Let me introduce you to this wonderful product. It's basically salt water and that's most of the ocean, which is more than 70% of our earth. Saline. Do y'all taste that shit when it goes in your arm? Saline. Get it today. Okay, you know what? That goddamn ad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, they're paying us a lot. I understand. I, I, I understand, you know, radio. It's a very complicated business. However, if it weren't for that ad, I would literally lose function in my legs. <laughs> that is true. So Zenyatta's. I think Zenyatta's and Goat's Meta are, are the star players. They're, because Zenyatta is not just a support. Zenyatta is a secondary DPS. And if you look at all the teams that have these impressive Zenyatta players, they're getting recognition. You know, uh, Kareev on the Valiant is one of their star players. You look at you look at Twilight. He's a star player. You look at Jonak. He was the MVP last year. All these teams have Zenyatta's that are flashy and do really cool things. And Jaehong, one, he's been around forever, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of views him like he's like a 33 year old running back. Like, he's somehow past his prime, like, oh, the old, oh, the old Jaehong. But it's like, bruh, that's not, like, what, what, did he tear his Achilles at the end of Apex? Like, what are we doing here? You know, Jaehong is still one of the best players. I just think he's a little bit more quiet than some of the other players in the sense of, you know, he's, he's not, he doesn't have the support of his team that Jonak does, where he can just be ultra aggressive. Yeah. Or he's not on a relatively bad team where he needs to step up and, and be that crushing player. And so Jaehong, you know, he's super consistent and he's sometimes quiet. But if you look at his performances, you know, this past week, he was anything but quiet. Jaehong was a monster. People were saying that he looked like better than the old Apex Jaehong that everybody claims is one of the greatest players of all time. Jaehong is, he's rounding into form. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of, Soul's MO, you know, they start slower. And it's the same thing with London. Uh, London is still kind of struggling a little bit, but they start a little slow, and then suddenly it's like, wow, look at Soul. And they have that depth where they can go to all these different lineups and shake up the, and shake up their team and surprise everybody with mm -hmm. now we're playing Fleta, now now we have this now we have these new players, now we're throwing in Marvel, Fitz, Jaehong, all these different guys. And so I think Jay Hong is going to be the MVP of the stage, and I think it's going to be by a landslide. Yeah, he's gonna out. He's gonna outdo Sinatra. He's gonna outdo Profi. He's gonna outdo Somansu, Bumper, Twilight. He's gonna outdo all those dudes. I'm just gonna. Anything, anything I'm just gonna else. add. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I'm just gonna add that, um, as you said, yes, Zenyatta is very like important, and he is the star in the uh, Goat's Meta. I just think. When Jae Hong does get to be able to say, "Hey, I'm gonna go Anna," you can see his gonna? like. You can see how like when you watch him as Anna, and then he switches back to Zenyatta. You can see how like how much of a genius he actually is. Where he sets up, how he like throws things out. How the only issue I think he's been having uh, until like this this weekend was how slow he kind of went on trans like his trances. That's that's, that's everybody not named Twilight. Yeah, that's literally, yeah, like you said. But Even Jonak yeah. has issues. Yeah. So it's a thing. But, I mean, he's he's straight up destroying Rip tires before yeah, they get no. to do the chance to do things. Mm -hmm. He's he's 
throwing that anti-nade in a perfect spot to catch the entire team and just wipe them out. Like, he's, I just he's, think a, he's an incredible player. He knows how to set up, and he knows how teams have to get to his team. So when he sets up as Anna, he knows, like, especially if you were on, like, Anubis, he knows that people will come around that way or they'll come this way, and he knows where to throw his his nades so that it does catch the entire team so that they have that advantage. And that's why, why I do agree with you that he will be our MVP probably. Well, man, this might, is, this this conversation might age very poorly yeah. in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, I, I was gonna, committed to this. I was going to say that. But another thing I want to say is that it's been it's been fun. It's been a good episode. I'm uh, glad that we're back. All Shout windows. out to the dude that broke into my car. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to the dude that stole our computer. Yeah, shout uh, out, man. You're doing We're great. coming for you. We are John Wick out here, bro. That hey, computer was our tiny dog. Calling my boy Keanu from Cyberpunk. You gotta, Oof. You gotta put it on you. Wait, 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 wait. Before we go, have you guys been keeping up with E3? Any, any, any little E3 nights? I saw a little bit. Is there anything you're excited from about from E3? Because, I mean, E3 is happening right now. Yeah. I was going to say we could save it for the next episode, but I think this one's going up first, right? Yeah. So, for E3, I'm, of course, excited for Cyberpunk, but everyone has been since CD Projekt Red announced it because, I mean, yeah. I mean they make great games, but also <clears throat> some of their fans are dick riders. But they make great games. Huge dick riders. They're such big dick riders. But I am excited for that game, and I saw that my boy Keanu's in it, so, I mean. You got to get it. Yeah. You got it. It's going to be great. Other things I saw that looked interesting, not necessarily think they're going to be good, is I heard, I didn't see anything about this, but I heard that apparently the people who work on Assassin's Creed are doing some kind of, like, actual fantasy game. Hmm. Oh, with, no, well, I don't know if it's people who work on Assassin's Creed, but there's this fantasy game, uh, what is it, Elden, Elden something, Elden Ring? It's, I don't it's know the if homies that's... from uh from software. The homies that make like Dark Souls. Not stuff? it's not that one. Okay. I there was another thing. It was called like Aldous. I don't know. Yeah. I'll look it up. Uh, we'll put it on Twitter or something to correct ourselves. But I heard this is just like conjecture, so I yeah. don't know. But I heard that they're making that, and I don't know if that's going to turn out good or bad because I mean like Odyssey is a really contentious game because like if it wasn't an Assassin's Creed game, I think it would be like gameplay wise at least a yeah. decent game. I think Odyssey's getting like that weird Titanfall two like online ad thing going on. Yeah, I see like people popping up, you know, talking about it. Yeah, Odyssey. Well, like, I feel like, like, it seems a, like a lot of a, a lot of uh, DLC keeps coming out for it, and from what I've played of it. A lot of the DLC is pretty cool and fun, so I think I think it might go well if that's a real thing, or if I might just be making shit up. I don't know. Cool. And then the other thing, there's another thing at E3. Oh, Ubisoft, also the uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard good things, interesting things about that, so we'll see where that goes. That's mostly what I'm excited about, is those three. Uh, I am excited for... Alright, so there's like a couple things. One, I'm excited for the Avengers game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are complaining about, like, the models that, like, they're kind of, mm-hmm. like, weird-looking. But Who's like, doing that game, by the way? Uh, it's the homie. I think it's the homies that made uh, Spider-Man. Okay, see, because it looked... The few clips I saw from it did look, like, similar to very that. Spider-Man, yeah. It felt like it, so I was, I was kind of hoping, because they did really good on that game. Yeah. No, it looks... It looks cool. People are, like... People are giving it, like, the, the Sonic treatment. Like, the character models are garbage or something. <laughs> the Sonic but they treatment. Look, I think the character models look fine. Mm-hmm. There is this weird feeling that, like, the character models look almost like the MCU version. Yeah, they But, like, all, not. Almost. Like, slightly off. You know, like, Cap looks kind of like Chris Evans, but just enough off where it's not Chris Evans. And same with, like, Iron Man. I saw him yeah, and, and yeah. Thor. I think the Thor one's the most off, but yeah. it, like, almost has the head shape. Or, like, sure. the same hair. But, I mean, like, how are you going to do anything else with the hair? Yeah. I think the only thing they did is that 
pretty sure like Thor in the comics is like clean shaven, mm-hmm. and so giving him the stubble automatically makes him feel more like Chris Hemsworth's Thor. Yeah. But so I, I think it, I think whatever. it's gonna be super cool. You know, I think the single player is gonna be an interesting story and an interesting comic book type story. Yeah. Uh, I really like what they teased with, you know, like, the San Francisco thing and the mm-hmm. A-Day and having, like, the, the shit blow up and all these so you know internal what? conflict. That's I, super cool. It does sound like, well, first of all, I don't I don't know anything about the story yeah. or anything, but you're saying San Francisco. Do we know who villains are in that game? I'm not entirely sure. From what I know, that in the little bit that they teased, uh, they're doing this A-Day thing in San Francisco, and so it's like the celebration of the Avengers. So... Opening up their West Coast division. Right. So, off of that, I do remember a specific line out of the Spider-Man game, the Marvel Spider-Man game, the uh, PlayStation mm-hmm. exclusive. When you go to Avengers Tower, Spider-Man Peter Parker remarks that they are on the West Coast right now. Yeah, yeah. He makes some reference to that, so I maybe they are it's by the It's definitely tied. We should definitely look into if they're like made by the yeah. same people. And so there's this like conflict from one of the cutscenes that I remember watching was, it was Iron Man and, and Hulk, you know, Hulk in human form, obviously, Bruce Banner, talking about you know, the reactor in the ship not being ready and having it, like, short circuit. And obviously it was an outside influence that messed up the reactor and caused this big conflict in San Francisco. And I think it's based around that kind of... You know, like, in uh, Age of Ultron, they had the big incident in Sokovia that led to the Sokovia Accords that led to Civil War. I think this is a similar thing where the Avengers screwed up and now they're dealing with you know, what does it mean to be a hero and, and what does it mm. mean to publicly serve? But the single player looks cool. It looks like a solid action game. Uh, it's, it's for sure not going to be an open world action game. Probably like open area, mission based, scene based. But it looks fine. I don't know what people are complaining about. You know, it looks cool. And the online multiplayer seem, seems like it's going to be great. It seems like you'll be able to create your own superhero and kind of do all these fun online missions together so i don't know i i think people are kind of complaining a little bit too much that they didn't see gameplay or whatever but if the gameplay is not ready why bother seeing it you know they're only releasing it at this time because the avengers movie just came out yeah and so you need to kind of tie them together if you did if they did show gameplay and the gameplay was not completely finished if it was still really choppy and stuff that's just going to be a negative on the um, the game going forward because as soon as like if they put out gameplay and they're like this is what it's gonna look like this is what it looks like and it looks like absolute ass then everybody's gonna be like why get this game it looks like ass and if they show gameplay it's like cool like who cares if you haven't seen a second of cyberpunk gameplay and you're all gushing about that game that's true <laughs> CD Projekt Red Dick Riders and so there's a lot of games you haven't seen a second of gameplay of and even if you did see gameplay of the Marvel game quite frankly, it's going to be a quick time event gameplay. You're not going to know anything about the systems or the upgrades or anything like that. I did just look it up. Don't know if this still means there's no relation between them, but it looks like uh, Square Enix had made a deal with Marvel and it's being developed by Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal. Eidos Montreal? I don't know how you pronounce that. No offense. Insomniac was the team that worked on the Spider-Man game, so I don't know if it's still like it seems Structurally like it's, it seems in the like same it's closely related. Like you look at some of like the weird gameplay clips and it feels very Even if yeah, it wasn't closely Spider-Man. related. They're definitely uh, taking from it. Yeah, and they're gonna everyone's gonna compare them. Like that's gonna be They're gonna thing. steal from the Spider Man game and the Arkham game. I guarantee it's gonna oh, be yeah. like a cross between those two for sure. Yeah. But that game I'm really excited for. 
And then there were, like, a few, like, weird games that... Yeah, there were... You know, Death Stranding, obviously, but it's not really a part of E3, but Death Stranding I'm super excited about. I still don't know what that game is. No one knows what it, it, what it is. <laughs> no, like, literally no human on Earth knows what it is. But it <laughs> looks... People make that game know It looks it cool. But there was this one game, um... I straight up don't remember the title. It was shown during the, uh... I believe the Microsoft press conference, and it was... Something Japan... And so it was. It was like it was a new game from from a new. It was, was a it, new IP. Um, are you sure it wasn't? Oh uh, God, what is it called? Um, not Mord How. It's the game that everyone says Mord How rips off. I don't know, but it. it so it, it was like it seems like it's a narrative based survival horror game. That's, oh, then that's based off. Yeah, so that's based off of people are suddenly disappearing in Japan, and you kind of have to figure out what's going on. Was Neo Two announced? Is that a thing? I know Blair it's Witch definitely was announced. A thing. Blair Witch looked. Blair Witch looked pretty cool. But yeah, so this J- Japan game looked interesting. And I think it was just basically a new IP. And this E3 is filled with so many sequels and, and you know, kind of derivatives. You have Ghost Recon. You have Watch Dogs. You have, you know, expansions for Rainbow Six and Smash. You have the new Halo. Yeah. You have the new Gears. There's I so do... many sequels that it's really refreshing seeing a new IP. Yeah, I do like the... The uh, look, because I saw some screen captures and stuff, uh, Master Chief's redesign for Infinite, right? Yeah, yeah, Infinite. And it's much more uh, classic. It feels more Halo 3-esque, and I'm glad they're moving away from the stupid triangle armor. So you're an Xbox One owner. You both are Xbox One owners. We live in the same house. Nathan, yep, definitely both Xbox One owners. I, on the other hand, am a PlayStation 4 player. Yeah, Would have you Have you seen new Xbox? No. Yeah, so they're releasing new Xbox... And supposedly it's going to support, I think it was like, what, 124 frames per second? 8K for some reason? Whoa. Yeah, like, who has an 8K TV? Like, what are we talking about? It's going to support, like, it's going to have all this, like, RAM. It's going to have an SSD. Like, it's apparently supposed to be the super dope console. Yeah, no, I heard rumors so long ago, and I mean, of course, rumors are rumors, but it was enough time after the xbox one came out that the rumors could be semi-substantiated that it's like oh well this isn't just ideas about what the next console could be these are realistic theories at least or backed up by evidence that it was going to have like interchangeable parts like a pc like you're going to be able to upgrade it i still don't believe that's a thing but hearing ram and like just buy a pc yeah exactly what are we doing just buy a pc yeah just buy like a like what are we doing uh but i do love that we're moving into the world of cross-platform absolutely uh, that's a thing that's becoming more and more present. And streaming. Well, you're yeah. talking about Ghostwire Tokyo. Yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. So Ghostwire Tokyo looked really interesting in the sense of it just had a cool trailer. Uh, the trailer was just, it involved all these people disappearing from Tokyo. And it was just one of those games where I know what I'm getting from a Ghost Recon game. Yeah. I know what I'm getting from Halo. I know what I'm getting from you know, the next Watch Dogs game. Yeah. I know what I'm getting from all these games. I don't know what I'm getting from Watchpoint Tokyo. And I... Watchpoint Tokyo. Yeah. And Ghostwire I, Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo. And I enjoy that mystery. Uh-huh. I like it, how you managed to combine all three games. You're like, Breakpoint and Watch Dogs. Watchpoint Tokyo. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy not knowing what a game is and not having it just be like, oh, look at this sequel. Yeah. Because let's be real. There's, there's Watch Dogs is going to be Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs is going to play exactly like Watch No matter how much they're like, you can play as any NPC. Cool. Like, half the NPCs are going to be the exact same. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. be real. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. So, 
I did hear, because I've heard story rumors, I've just heard a lot of rumors. I was really, you know, I was distracted during E3. Leak Squad. So, do we know who the protagonist is for the new Watch Dogs, or is that, like, the thing is you just play as an NPC? Yeah, so, uh, it's apparently, like, I think you have, like, a central protagonist, but kind of the idea is that you're going around recruiting all these different people, and that the cutscenes and all that stuff will change depending on who you have okay. as your player character at that time. So it's very nebulous in the sense of like, okay, so what are we doing here? Because I heard rumors, the, uh, I don't remember the name, the PC of Watch Dogs 2. Marcus. I, Marcus, yeah. right. I wanted to say that, but I also was like, maybe I'm just thinking of Gears. <laughs> but, you know, like, I did enjoy him as a character. I, did, I didn't get to play a lot of that game. But what I did play of it, I did enjoy him as a character. He was a lot more fun than Aiden Pierce. Way more fun. But I also do kind of miss the more gritty feeling of the first Watch Dogs, and I don't know which way they're going. It feels like they're kind of leaning more the same way with Watch Dogs mm-hmm. 2, and I do think that's probably a better choice. But I have to say, like, when it comes down to it, I was more attached, like, to Aiden Pierce because he had a reason for what he was doing. He wasn't just like, ooh, rar, XD, random. There were some, like, weird moments in Watch Dogs 2 where it's like Marcus is just, like, this random hacker. But he's going into missions just, like, murdering every yeah. single person he sees. And you're it's like, so weird. wait a minute, homie. Like, right before this, you were just, like, a regular little hacker. Now you're this cold murderer. Yeah. just walking into buildings, just icing dudes. Like, hold on, at least with Aiden, you could kind of believe, like, yeah, you can murder somebody. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I think so that's, that's you know, super wait, weird. Maybe that's, like, Watch Dogs secret messages that, or Watch Dogs 2 secret messages that, like, people just get into terrorism that easy. It's, like, one week you're watching, like... Philip DeFranco next week you're watching like Stephen Molyneux and Alex Jones yeah <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly the road Marcus went through like one week he's just like this innocent hacker next week he's just murdering people in cold blood okay yeah. we've been reviewing watchdogs <laughs> for long enough Taylor what are your feelings about E3 I'm really looking forward to the Blair Witch game like you said it's it's a I like horror games Obviously, you guys are looking at me like I'm so quirky and unique. Thanks, guys. She is. I didn't even say anything. She's the protagonist of Watch Dogs 3. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking forward to Psychonauts 2. I liked that game when yeah, it yeah. yeah it, when oh, yeah. it came out back way back in the day. It was something that wasn't really being done. It was you know it had that style of the early 2000s kind of like mm-hmm. cartoony feeling. They also announced Animal Crossing for the Switch, which is. Exciting. Something everyone's been waiting for. Something everyone is losing their minds over. I really want to get a Switch. <laughs> Switch just seems so fun. Yeah. Like, and I would straight up only play, like, Pokemon and Mario yeah, and, like, Smash Brothers. That's but, about like, it. I could play Smash Brothers on Bart. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget Breath of the Wild. <laughs> that that does yeah, Breath of the Wild. And isn't that getting a sequel? I just think I never played a it Zelda prob- game. I mean, the I next thought- Zelda's probably going to feel I'm pretty similar. sure that that was... I mean, it's getting a sequel because it's at sold some point, yeah. yeah. Like, let's be real. Every game that sells well is suddenly getting a sequel. It's just like movies, I mean. Yeah, no, those are just... there's Those are a few. I also play a bunch of The Sims, so all of their reveals were pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's what I felt about E3. Okay, okay. You know, I feel like sorry branching off into movies for a second and with video games the only games that aren't like that where they're like instantly getting sequels for selling well just for the the thing of selling well it's the same thing with books it's like original ips because like i mean john wick is a bad example but like it sold really well it did really well and it's getting sequels but i mean that's standard action movie stuff but it it's not ryan on the back of a name it's not a studio just wanting this like ooh sorry avengers but like ooh the avengers or better yet dc like dc isn't selling well and they're still trying to give it sequels mm-hmm. but you know whatever or the amazing spider-man setting up a cinematic universe when nobody's watching yeah exactly <laughs> um remember when they tried to like in in the second movie they tried to set up the sinister sticks 
and they were like planning on having a Sinister Six movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, bruh, chill out. Like, it's not your happening. dreams aren't happening right now. Like, this this isn't happening. Nobody liked Andrew Garfield. Hell. I'm sorry. He was a bad Peter Parker. He was a decent Spider Man. Bad Peter Parker. To- yeah, Tobey Maguire, way better. Uh, new homie. Tom Holland. Way better. This is like... Andrew Garfield, you're great, but you weren't great. Dude, I, my dude over here looking 40. <laughs> he should have been he in Uncle high ben. school like bruh chill but my point about like yeah. ips is that like you a lot of them are written with the idea of like having a sequel because it's like especially with movies because in a book you can make a book kind of as long as you want i mean there's a point when it's ridiculous mm-hmm. uh but like with movies you have a certain amount of time that you're going to be able to make a movie realistically and it's fair to expect to make a sequel if you're trying to tell an original story and you have like a belief. I mean, if your story sucks, don't expect to get to make that sequel. But at the same time, having a good story like is a good excuse to have a sequel. But selling is what's making all these video game sequels. Don't know why I brought that up. Just thought it was important. And yeah. this is an Overwatch League podcast. Yeah, we've been talking about E3 for like an hour and a half. So listen, man, this is just the first week back. Like, what, yeah. are, what are we really gonna say about? <laughs> yeah, freaking Chengdu. We could have talked about the intricacies of breaking into a car for about. 45 minutes I know right yo didn't. shout out to dude who broke on my car shout you the out. homie <laughs> we still got the logo though no rebranding for us right. okay so anyways talking about branding follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Scrapyard Media you can also get a link to our discord in the description below you can find us on YouTube with Scrapyard Media you can find us pretty more, much anywhere you can find streams are we on Spotify yet is that a thing yeah man we... we're on everything oh yeah is iTunes still a thing though? We on Is that it? Oh yeah, rest in peace iTunes. Yeah, probably can't find still, us there if it doesn't exist. We're there. We're Somewhere we're an now. Echo in the Dark there, which Echo in the Dark is the name of my thirty-first band. But, anyways, it's been fun. We're literally about to die. Yeah, it is hot. See you next time on the Scrapyard. We sacrificed ourselves like Kevin Durant for this podcast. <laughs> Do you come from a land down under?